0: Thank you, worship team, as always. Praise the Lord for you all. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 40. Turn there with me, please. Acts 16, 16 through 40. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one provided for you in the back of the pew in front of you. You'll find this on page 784 or 825 of the Pew Bible there. The title of this morning's message is God Sets Captives Free. And we're going to get right into the text here this morning. The text will also be up on the screen, I think. But let's look at it together either way now. And I'm going to ask if you are able to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Acts 16, beginning in verse 16, I'm reading out the English Standard Version. Hear the Word of the Lord. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, "'The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace.' But Paul said to them, "'They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out.' The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens." So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Let's pray together. Well, Father, as always, we're grateful for your word, that it is life and it is truth to us, and we need both of them. Lord, we thank you that you know our hearts, you know our words even before they are on our lips, and therefore you know what it is that we need to hear out of this text this morning. And we marvel at the fact, and yet thank you for the fact, that you can cause the same text to be read and the same sermon to be preached to hundreds of people at the same time, and that that truth and that life be ministered in many different ways to many different people. So we ask that you'll do that today. Would you speak, O Lord, your word by your spirit through your servant to your people for your glory and for our good always in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Paul and Silas, you know, were on their second missionary journey and they had made their way to Philippi which is a city in Macedonia. You'll see that in the upper left-hand corner of the map on the back of your bulletin. In fact, we made it to Philippi last week, and we're just going to stay right there in Philippi this week. I think it might be number four on that little diagram, but I'm not really sure. It was there that Lydia had become the first convert on the European continent, and as they continued their outreach there in Philippi, these events that we just read about unfolded. And in this chain of events, we see God setting captives free. The slave girl gets set free from spiritual bondage. Paul and Silas are set free from prison. And the Philippian jailer is set free from his sin. And in the course of that, we learn something about the nature of captivity and captors, as well as something about the readiness of God and the power of God to set people free. From captivity. In fact, you may recall how much that is just at the heart of the mission of God on the earth. When Jesus, even beginning his ministry in Luke chapter 4, stood up and from the scripture said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. It is at the very heart of the gospel, the heart of the kingdom to set captives free. And so we see, first of all, that he does exactly that for the slave girl. Beginning in verse 16 there, we read that as they were going to the place of prayer, they were met by this slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. The word here, divination, this literally says a spirit, a python, or a Pythonian spirit. It was the belief in ancient um, Greek pagan religions that soothsaying or fortune-telling happened when the spirit of a snake or dragon named Python entered a woman, the priestesses or prophetesses of Delphi, that the spirit of a snake entered the woman and thereby fortune-telling happened. Now, that's a little bit of an interesting footnote for the believer who's read the scriptures, the fact that Um, this soothsaying would happen when a snake moves a woman to speak in a certain way and it sort of has a ring of something we remember from Genesis chapter three. But actually it's, what's most noteworthy about that um, for our purposes here today is that she, her owners, Paul, and everybody around understood this is a spiritual issue. That there is, everyone's shared belief here would have been, um, that there is a spirit at work here. This is not um, a vocation that somebody just chooses or somebody's born with a natural talent for fortune-telling or that somebody pretends to. Everybody around understood there is a, there's a spirit at work here. Um, and so even though she goes about declaring these men are servants of the Most High God, Paul is not encouraged by this fact. It's like he doesn't need her support uh, to confuse the issue for other people, perhaps, and it's very likely that when she says most high God, she's talking about a God who is chief among many gods, like Zeus would have been in the ancient world, as opposed to the one true God. But either way, Paul, it says, is greatly annoyed after this happens for many days. He's disturbed by this spiritual presence that is following and nagging them, I do think this is something more than just like you and I might get annoyed sitting in traffic. You know, you sit there for a while and traffic's not moving and it's hot and you're getting aggravated and somebody does something and then you just honk your horn at them and tell them, you know, some things that you wouldn't want to repeat to church people anyway. And, uh, I, but I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's annoyed, um, uh, entirely in that sense, but, but, um, disturbed and troubled all the way around at the presence of this uh, girl and her attachment to what it is they're trying to do. And it says in verse 18 that, that Paul, greatly annoyed, uh, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. This command in the name of Jesus is, is, is sort of something analogous to saying, comparable to saying uh, that when, when the police say, stop in the name of the law. I don't know that the police actually say that. They used to say it on TV. But, uh, you know, stop in the name of the law. So in, in other words, the, 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 the officer doesn't have authority in and of himself, but he functions under a higher authority and appeals to that um, in calling somebody to order. And so if there's a fugitive holed up in a house and he hears over the loudspeaker, this is the police. Come out with your hands up. Well, he's going to react probably differently to that than if he heard a voice that said, hey, this is Frank, come out with your hands up. Okay, because, because yeah, even if he knows who Frank is, Frank has no authority in the matter. And, and he may not even immediately um, respond in, in compliance to what the police officer says, but he does know that the police have authority to order him to come out and they have the power to enforce it if they must. Well, Jesus has the authority to command demons, and he has the power to carry out his command. Um, that too is, is, is something at the heart of what it means that the kingdom of God comes on earth as it is in heaven and even to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God that, that he came and by his sacrificial death and his resurrection um, that he secured authority over every principality and power and might and dominion over um, everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth it says in Philippians 2 he is highly exalted in that way and so Paul here commands this spirit in the name of Jesus Christ and all the authority born in that name. Come out with your hands up, so to speak. And the spirit comes out that very hour. And then we see from the reaction um, of their owners, uh, of her owner, something really important about the nature of captivity itself. Because look in verse 19, it says, when her owners saw that their hope of gain was... Gone. they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. The whole following series of events of them being thrown into prison and their release and and all that kind of stuff happens because the owners are upset um, at the the adverse financial impact uh, that resulted from this spirit being, being cast out of this young slave girl. And what it tells us is that captivity operates by control and coercion. Those are the telltale signs of a, of a captor, of a slaveholder, if you will. It operates by control and coercion. And that is, ver- that is just utterly contrary to the nature of God, who is love, right? Who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then that we're told even in cases like in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Love gives of oneself for the good of another. Lust takes from another for the good of oneself. And I'm using the term lust uh, generally, not just in a, a sexual sense, but just those those desires for one's own gratification or oh, fulfillment of all kinds, but it is the very opposite of love. Love gives of itself, gives of oneself for the good of another. Lust takes from another for the good of oneself. and so it 's always a helpful lens into a relationship or an individual in a relationship whether it is they're inclined to give or to take. Whether they um, are concerned about your interest or their own out of whatever the decision is that's going on. That's at the heart of what love is. And this um, on reaction on the part of these um, owners is, is exactly the opposite of that. See, they didn't say, oh, would you look at that? She, she had a spirit in her. This whole time, the way she was fortune telling is she had a spirit in her and look, she's been set free from that. Well, good for her. They're not at all interested in her welfare. They're interested in her own and therefore they, they they drag Paul and Silas off to the magistrates and bring false charges against them that they might be thrown in prison. But it's in God's heart to set captives free and he does so for the slave girl and then he does in a very literal and physical way for Paul and Silas in prison. Beginning in verse 23, it says, when they, inflicted in, when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them safely. Now, once again, safely here does not mean in their interest. Hey, be sure these guys are safe. You guys comfortable? Can I get you anything? It's not that sort of safely here. If you look at the New American Standard, I think it says securely. The NIV would say guard them carefully. The issue is that their imprisonment is safe, that they are safe from being able to escape or for anybody to come in and rescue them. Um, They are guarded safely, and verse 24 says, so then they put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks, the inner prison being, well, just as you would imagine, inner, it's below ground, um, apart from all but the vilest criminals, dark, secluded, and secure. And and, And just in case it's not secure enough, they put their feet in stocks so that they cannot move. And then verse 25 and 26 tells us about the prison break that God launches here about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And one of one of the most noteworthy things that we want to Observe here, or that I want us to observe, is that this prison break happens in the context of singing praise to God, and and understanding they probably had more reason to groan than to praise in the conditions they were in, and and the and the circumstances that landed them there. Uh, not only the 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 inner prison itself, but their feet in stocks in what would be a very uncomfortable. Situation in its own right. And of course, it's midnight. I mean, sleeping might seem like a better idea if you could sleep. They had more reason to groan than to praise, but they are praying and calling out to the Most High God. And we're reminded here that music, particularly songs of praise, are powerful in a way that's almost inexplicable. The Bible asserts that and doesn't really explain how, but it is unquestionably true that songs of praise, that music is powerful in some transcendent way. Uh, we, we, We remember the walls of Jericho came down in the context of blasts of horns, right? That David played his liar for King Saul so that Saul might be delivered from spiritual oppression there. And uh, you may remember too, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat's army um, is met with an army much greater than his. And he's quite concerned about it. And he calls out to the Lord and the Lord says, don't you worry about that. That's not your battle to fight. It's mine. And Jehoshaphat is so encouraged by that fact, he assembles the, the people together and says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to send a choir out in front of the army. Well, thank you, King, for that privilege. They, they, go, they go out singing praise to God, knowing that he is the one who's going to deliver them. Uh, praise, songs of Praise are just powerful in some inexplicable way. And so uh, Tertullian, an an early, I believe, third century bishop um, said this of this particular instance here in Acts 16, that the legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. The legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. And they're singing praise to God and their heart carried away uh, to the presence of the Lord in heaven. And it is in that context um, that the doors are open, that the chains fall off. And then we see from that, of course, the Philippian jailer's liberation from his own sin because after the doors are open and the bonds are unfashioned, the jailer thought they had escaped. It says in verse 27, he's about to kill himself. And Paul called out, don't do that. We're all still here. And then in verse 29, it says the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. He he recognizes he has encountered this most high God that Paul and Silas have been praying to, that they'd been praising about, and that they've been proclaiming um, in their city before they were ever in prison. He's just witnessed his hand at work, and he trembles and falls down before them in fear. And then in verses 30 and 31, it says he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then it goes on in verse 33 to say, "Um, He took them about the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And so we see in the slave girl in Paul and Silas and in the Philippian jailers instance, God's heart to set captives free. And it, it is common to the human experience in one way or another, to one degree or another to live in captivity, not constantly, uh, but to uh, have had that a common part of our story and experience, at the very least to our sin before we ourselves were set free to sin. But that captivity may be to patterns of sin or the impact that those patterns have on your your own life or the lives of other people around you. It could be captivity to addictions, drugs or alcohol, uh, gambling, sex or pornography, other compulsive behaviors but those are th- those take people captive in their lives there are people who can be in captivity to the past because of things you've done or things that you had done for you or f- or to you rather that you had no say in that if you had a say you would have you would have said no and there was nothing you could do to prevent it and yet the wounds of that continue to have a snare around your foot even to this day that you feel like you can't make progress because you're in, you're in captivity to something in your past. There are people who live in captivity to controlling relationships. You know, there are people who are just domineering and if not physically abusive, emotionally so and belittling and And just controlling in the relationship and and you may have experienced it or know somebody who has, and how sad and dysfunctional that looks and feels, you know in fact, there can be people controlled by and captive to relationships, even just by virtue of the family that they're born into, and the issues that come along with that, even in ways most of us wouldn't imagine people born into family that are financially well off, people of status, um, of prominence. And their descendants live actually in captivity to that status because when there are failures and fallings, they need to cover them up because that kind of thing doesn't happen to our family. And victims of abuse um, have to just dress it up and cover it up and keep it a secret because we don't talk about that sort of thing happening in our family. And the, and the, and the very status that's supposed to empower somebody, that, that family member, and open up doors of opportunity actually ends up burdening them and restraining them. And limiting them. There are all kinds of ways that we can live in captivity. And love one, whatever it is that keeps you bound, you need to hear today this declaration that it is God's heart, it is in his nature to set you free from captivity. That is the heart of God, and he has the power to do it. Because He is love and love gives while lust takes. And so what can we do then? Seeking that, pursuing that and participating with him in that. Well, number one, I've I've got five uh, things, most of which taken right out of this scripture, but five actions uh, we might be able to take as they pertain to us. But number one, if you have not done so already, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you you have not known the liberation that comes from forgiveness of sins, make today that day. Because it does not mean that all your problems will go away. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah, so if that's you know, that's a problem bunch. You're just hearing a troubled bunch. It doesn't mean all your problems. Are going to go away. As a matter of fact, for some people, they get worse because of what they renounce in clinging to Christ. It creates a whole new set of problems from uh, people that they have now separated themselves from. But you'll find in that simple act of faith, turning, turning to Him, even with all your baggage, and bringing that to Him by faith. That, that simple decision opens up a whole new world for you to walk in, a whole new domain of possibilities. And even in the continuation of the problems that you have, you'll find one good and gracious to walk through them with you and maybe by his grace even to lead you out of them. So if you haven't done so already, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, if you have not done so already, be baptized. We saw here that the Philippian jailer believed and at once he was baptized. He and all his family. It says something similar in the earlier part of the chapter about Lydia. Not only was she baptized immediately in connection with her faith, faith but her whole household was. And we see this throughout the book of Acts and in the New Testament. There is no such thing in the New Testament as an unbaptized believer. And baptism does not save you and there is nothing magical about it, but there is something powerful about it. There is something powerful about it because it is not simply symbolic, but uh, again, in some way that we can't even articulate or understand entirely. a means by which God just imparts something of his grace to people. And it may be for some people um, that that one act of disobedience or withholding your obedience to follow the Lord in baptism in that way uh, may actually be keeping you captive to any number of other things that you don't even realize. And so, as I said during the announcements, we have next week an opportunity for people to be baptized who have professed faith in Christ and have not been baptized before. I would urge you to do that, to come out and be a part of that and see what God has for you beyond That decision. Number three, declare the authority of the Lord Jesus over spiritual forces of darkness that may have their hand in whatever issue it is that you're captive to or the circumstances surround them. Declare the authority of the Lord Jesus over them. Um, Search out the scriptures to see what has God revealed to be true about that and then stand on the truth of it. The authority of his word and the authority of the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, the devil will continue to act like he has authority over you. He really is like that controlling person in the relationship who even after a separation will still try to bully and and frighten and intimidate and that kind of thing. He'll stand fast acting like He's in control, but he is not. He has no authority over the life of the believer. And so keep reminding him of that in the authority of the name of Jesus. Number four, fill your home and environment with songs of praise. Especially when you don't feel like praising. Especially when you don't feel like it. Fill your home and environment with songs of praise, even off of your, either off of your own lips or, or, or just out of your phone or your whatever it is you play music on. But let praises to the Lord fill the space that you occupy because it is powerful. Again, in ways that, I, as far as I know, the Bible doesn't really explain it, but it does assert it in different places. Um, And it is one of those things we are given um, on earth to do that we'll also be doing in heaven. It transcends the earthly and the heavenly realms. Uh, There is something good and right and powerful about it. Fill your home and environment with songs of praise. And then fifth, come out of isolation. Um, One of the things most sinister about... Compulsive behaviors, addictions, and 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 patterns of besetting sin and that sort of thing. Is that they are isolating. It is one of the go-to schemes of the devil to isolate people to think you're the only one struggling with this, or you, somebody like me, I shouldn't be struggling with it. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have this problem. I shouldn't feel this way. I can't tell anybody about this. So I need to dress myself up once again and just pretend it's not an issue for me. It is isolating in the most sinister way. And you know, there is um, sort of metaphorical about it, or at least that, that we could we could uh, draw from here, from verse 24, where it says, you know, that Paul and Silas were put into the inner prison uh, and put in the stocks. They are they are isolated from others in the darkest place and then bound up there. And um, like I said, that's a literal re- record of events there. But there is something that can be applied to the isolating nature of these kinds of uh, behaviors and circumstances that keep us in captivity because they are isolating. So come out of isolation, take some step that brings it out of the dark. You, even if that's somebody at the other end of an 800 number who's anonymous, um, or, or, or maybe you need to take the just immediate step of becoming a part of a group like Celebrate Recovery who just says, you know what? Everybody's got their issues. You're, we're just willing to tell one another about it and begin to work through them. And to do so in community. But whatever it is, take some step that brings you out of isolation because because your slave master, the devil himself, will continue to harass and and pummel and abuse you in that place of isolation. And he has not the authority to do it. He does not have the authority to do it. Declare it so um, and take a step toward your liberation, and of course we need to know that may, that liberation may not come immediately, right? It did in these cases here that we read about, and it does miraculously for some other people. For many others, it is a process of getting there. But it's a process where we know we walk in step with the Lord Jesus Christ, who has the authority and the power to lead us out as we renounce the authority of the captor who has kept us his for so long. And before we come to the Lord's table today, I'm gonna ask us to respond to this word today in a demonstrable way because I know there are people here to whom this speaks in a direct and personal way. Um, And there are others who perhaps it doesn't now, but you know the experience and you would be delighted to pray With them. And so I'm going to ask everyone to just stand for a moment. And I'm going to pray over uh, over us and and just ask in your own heart to agree with me in prayer, either as one seeking that liberation and receiving something personally from God in this, or just as one agreeing in prayer on behalf of of those who need to receive that. So let's pray together. Oh Lord, we do cry out to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and all the authority born in that name, that he has been given all authority under heaven and earth, that his enemies have been made his footstool. Yes, the one who holds the universe together by the word of his power. And he is our savior. We call on that name today. And Lord, I I lift up to you those who are living in bondage to any number of things, maybe that I've named or others that I have not, but who don't want to be there and find themselves snared somehow by patterns they have had a difficult or impossible time escaping. And Lord, maybe partly because it has been secret for far too long. So Lord, I just pray by the power of the great name of Jesus that you would set people free from their captivity to patterns of sin, to to substance addictions and abuse, Lord, to controlling relationships with people, to snares of of past decisions of their own or things that have been inflicted upon them And, and anything else fears and sins Lord would you set people free from there today in the name of Jesus and I pray Lord that you would do so even immediately we acknowledge that sometimes it is a process Lord but I ask for every single one today we're asking you would do it and you would do it now that you would do it Uh, miraculously and powerfully in a way that you are glorified by it. And we will be quick to give you all the honor and the praise and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And you may be seated. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. And so maybe that brings you to the Lord's table with a little different perspective today, Um, that the significance of being joined to him in this sacrament and what we receive in partaking of the one who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was set upon him and by his stripes we're healed. And that as we partake of that body wounded for us, may ours be healed and made whole in a marvelous way. We do open the table of communion to all true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not have to be a member here, but... Um, but you should be one who has chosen to follow him, that you have already joined yourself to him as you partake. As I said before, um, his command is to come to him prior to coming to the table. But we do delight to offer you the opportunity today to come to him. It will change your life forever. As we distribute the elements, uh, we will ask that everybody hold them so that we can partake together. And I should mention, lest I forget um, later, we do have um, all of the communion. Bread is gluten-free for those who have those dietary restrictions and that sort of thing, safe uh, to partake for anyone. And we are reminded on this occasion that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the blood of my covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so as I pray, I'll ask our elders to come forward uh, to serve the elements. If you'll pray with me. Father, we do thank you for this great privilege where we set out ordinary, Bread and juice and you do something extraordinary with them. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless these elements and set them apart from their ordinary use and cause them um, in some way that we don't understand to really join us with Jesus Himself. And Lord, we do ask indeed that in doing so, that his wounds would be applied to us for the sake of our wholeness. And we ask it in the name of Christ, amen.